Welcome back to the Irish Bears show. It is great to be back. We are finally here. It is week one. We are joined by Greg Braggs. And Greg, it's been a little bit since we kind of spoke and we spoke during training camp and how that was going. But we finally got to the point of where we actually get to talk about a proper football game, a game that actually matters and a game that matters to a lot of people. And it's been funny, chaotic, just watching it happen and unfold on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. But I've just been sitting back enjoying dropping a little kind of bomb in there to see what people are going to say. How have you dealt with it? Are you ready for Sunday? Have you felt this kind of vibe throughout this week that it feels a little bit different? Yeah, I mean, we haven't had this kind of anticipation for a game since week one of 2019, and we all understand how that game went. But that that certainly had a lot of pomp and circumstance to it, being that it was the hundredth season for the NFL, and they had this big um, village, NFL Village, that was in Grant Park, right offside the stadium, and so there was a lot of hype behind that. And then, of course, the Bears' expectations going into that season were, "Hey, all we needed to fix was the kicker, and we were going to win a Super Bowl, e- easy, right? You know, not so not so fast, my friends." Um, so I think that's probably the last kind of moment. Obviously that was bears Packers as well. So, but this is different obviously because of the, just the uncertainty with who the Packers are. Now we knew what we were getting into in 2019. Yeah. You're going to always be in a dogfight with Aaron Rodgers. He's you, we all understood what he's capable of in any given game. Nobody knows what, this Packers team is going to be now that he's gone. And so it's like, yeah, I I agree. You know, it's nice. The game is a few days away. It's I'm so excited for it. Uh, But when it comes to this off season conversation and just beating our heads against the wall, we're still there. We still got two more days to do it because we don't have a game to go off of. All we have is preseason and limited snaps and training camp where they're not tackling. So everything we talk about is still this, hypothetical bullshit that you can get just completely lost in the weeds on. And it it makes you want to pull your hair out at times, but that's the beauty of the NFL. And that's, that's the fun in sports is it it gets you hyped up uh, and it's going to come to a tipping point, um, you know, Sunday afternoon. I'm not going to the game because obviously we got to be here in studio. I'm actually at the CHGO sports studios now. And, um, but we're having a tailgate and I already told my guys, that I am, even though I'm not going to the game, the people that are tailgating with us at some point are going to walk to the stadium and I am walking to the stadium with them because the energy that day, when you walk through the tunnel, I don't know how many of you have been to Soldier Field, but there's these tunnels as you head towards South Lot and it gets rowdy when it's a hyped game. When you're walking through that tunnel, everybody's chanting Green Bay sucks and all this other stuff. You got the bucket boys in there. I will be walking through those tunnels even if I can't get into the stadium itself because that's that's what you live for as a fan is that kind of energy and atmosphere. Yeah, it's funny actually, Greg, that you mentioned uh, walking through the tunnels because we were the, the same when we went to the Redskins game last season. We were walking through the tunnels after losing the game. 
and everyone's shouting, Green Bay sucks, Green Bay sucks. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it never disappears, even when we're losing, like that. You've got that sort of feeling, and it just shows you how big the rivalry is and how it should be. Obviously, over the last few years, it's not really been so much a, a rivalry as a one side of the fair sort of thing. But do you sort of feel like, you know, and I know we can't really tell much from, you know, not seeing anyone play yet, but do you feel that kind of sense that everything's moving towards we feel that the Bears are going to overtake where the Packers have been for so long now that Aaron Rodgers is gone? Yeah, I, de- I definitely feel that way, and th- but yet you still have that, little bit of uncertainty in the back of your head and in Vegas, I'm not a big Vegas guy. I'm not a gambler guy. I don't really, to be honest, care less a lot of times what I couldn't care less what Vegas thinks. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the, the line they've put, it's dropped down to like one point. I think that kind of puts illuminates the same vibes. Nobody really knows what to expect. And to me, and I'm, I'm actually putting an article out to, I think it'll be out tomorrow kind of talking about this. And and I, I just think as Bears fans, there's some of us, a segment, a large segment of us that are, are kind of afraid of our own shadow at this point and afraid to say what, what makes sense. And what makes sense is the Bears are the better team coming into this Sunday. The, the Bears have the better quarterback coming into this Sunday. We don't know, you know, if you want to extrapolate what they're going to be a year from now or, or, you know, 12 games from now, whatever, but just going into this game, they are the better team. They, they are, they have the better quarterback and, and, and it's just this uncertainty and these years of torment and years of disappointment on our end that makes us hesitant to just say it. And I just feel like in this city, there's been a few, we don't have that many moments where a team or a player is like undoubtedly good, where you have no qualms with what he's going to be or what the team's going to be. And then it turns. And then one day there's always that moment where it kind of turns and it, it was, it's like the Cubs in 2016. I'm a Cub fan. Ben Zobris was here in the studio earlier. There was a moment with that team the year before they won it, where it was like this, this is it. This is the team I've been looking for. And we haven't reached that point here with this bears team, but I do feel like this group could be that moment at some point this season where you're like, okay, they may not win a super bowl this year, but these are the guys they're going to, these guys are going to do it. And, and, and I, so like when, when you go into week one, that's how I feel. Yeah, the Packers have have just ruined our lives for 20, 30 years. But it ain't going to be this Sunday. The sun, This Sunday, the Bears are going to win this game because they should. They are the better team. That's how I feel. It, it's not like a hope and dream thing. They should. It's in yeah. Soldier Field. Justin Fields has more experience. Jordan Love, who knows what he's going to be. But I know he doesn't have chemistry with these guys yet. That takes time. Justin Fields has an understanding of what he's doing. He's been in Luke Getz's offense. So to me, there's no reason why the Bears should lose this game. They should win it. And I'm not afraid to say that. I'm sorry, Greg, you talked about it there. There's a bit of uncertainty on both teams, but the Bears, you would think, are further along. Obviously, the Packer have a young quarterback who's starting for the first time. They have young wide receivers who seem to be leading the line now who may be injured. They have a young tight end. 
And even when you come to Soldier Field, they have a rookie kicker. So do you think there's any kind of added pressure? Like losing the first game of the season isn't the end of the world. But do you think for the Bears playing at home against this kind of uncertain Packers team, is there a bit of pressure on there to not lose this game? Or how do you kind of see the opening game of the season? Yeah, I mean, normally you would say, oh, hey, the 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 pack the you would normally you'd say, hey, the, the Bears are you know, um, they have all this pressure on them because they're the better team and they should win. But because of the way the rivalry's been prior to this team, the pressure is it's different. It's not like this is the they're the prohibitive favorites, and if they blow this, you know, it's an embarrassment. A lot of fa- there's still a lot of people that expect think the Bears are going to lose on Sunday, so it's not like that kind of pressure. It's a pressure in that you don't want these guys to get embarrassed by another quarterback because whether Jordan love ends up being good or not, if he beats the bears week one, the narrative will be, Oh, the Packers have found their third quarterback. And even if that gets proven otherwise, you know, six weeks down the road, that's not what they're going to be saying on Monday. They're going to be saying, Oh, here comes the next quarterback to ruin the bears lives. And that's the pressure the bears have to avoid. But to me, the like, to me, the pressure it's it's equal in a lot of ways, but it because it's at Soldier Field, Jordan Love has to now show that he has that moxie to hang out in that kind of an atmosphere. I mean, last year when the Packers came to Soldier Field, the Bears jumped the gun on them, and they were up a couple scores on them. But Aaron Rodgers relishes in those kind of moments. Aaron Rodgers is like, okay, you want to talk your shit, Bears fans? I'm going to show you, and then I'm going to make you eat it. When the game's over, does Jordan Love have that same moxie when that house is rocking? And and if the Bears can get off to an early lead, and now all of a sudden the energy's lifted even higher, is he going to rise to the occasion, or is it going to be something that he's hasn't prepared for and it and isn't ready for because he's never been in that moment? That that's that's the scenario I break out now. If the Packers can get out to an early lead, then the vibes are going to be different because I know Bears fans. If they get out to an early, if the Packers get out to an early lead, it's going to get quiet in there, and and it'll be incumbent on the Bears to respond quickly, because that 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 I that's something that's not on paper. That that vibe, that that mojo, that energy in the stadium, and if the it, you know it, it's just something you can't quantify, but it has an impact on the game. And if the Bears can get out to an early lead, that place is literally. The, it's going to go berserk and it's going to be a really tough environment for a young team like the Packers to overcome. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I was kind of thinking of when you see people talk about this game and you have people that will criticize Justin Fields, but then at the same time, put all the praise on Jordan Love without remembering that Jordan Love hasn't really played a, a real game of football in the NFL. I know we all talk about that what was it, like the two quarters he played against the Kansas City Chiefs in like week 16 or week 17, right? Like this is the first time he's going to experience a game where it actually matters, where every decision he makes is going to be scrutinized. He knows that he's coming up to where he has to perform this season. And how can he deal with that? Like he, he might be ready in terms of knowing what he's supposed to do on the field, but you never know when you have to actually go into a game and there's guys that can actually hit you now. It's it's so much different to what we've seen in kind of preseason. It's 
Tony, we've been saying it all, all preseason, like none of this stuff actually matters because our favorite players in preseason get cut two weeks later. Like, and yeah. we saw that, that that's what happened. But it's an interesting storyline as we go into this because there are a lot of unknowns. Like we talk with the Bears and we all hope that the offense is going to be able to click. I still, I still think that it's still going to be a work in progress that maybe in the middle of the year we're going to see an offense that we're expecting to see. I think it's still going to be where you're going to have two teams that might be run heavy offenses very early on in, in the season. And it's going to come down to, well, can the Bears D-line stop the Packers running game? Because especially when you had two wide receivers in terms of Christian Watson and, and Dobbs, that even if they're back in time for the game on Sunday, they still had hamstring injuries. And those are difficult to be one to completely agree with that. It's going to be, perfect throughout a game because what do we know about Christian Watson? He likes to take it long. Well, if you have a, a dodgy hamstring, that could be a problem as well. So I think you're going to see a lot of Aaron Jones and, and things like that, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Bears are able to game plan for that. If they can limit the run early on, then you can start getting after love. Then you can start building that pressure, letting that stadium where he hears every bear found right at him. Like if the bears can come out quick, like they did last year against San Francisco, that the first drive on offense was good. Obviously after that, it it was a struggle for a couple of games, but if you can do that to essentially a rookie quarterback, because he hasn't played any real games to one of the youngest rosters in the NFL, that's when you start to maybe get that momentum shift. Because I think in previous years, and I don't know about you, Greg, I've always said it when it comes to Green Bay and the Bears when we've done predictions that I I would always say I won't pick the Bears to win until they prove to me they can beat the Packers. Now, the only difference is this year it's it's an unknown Packers team. They've probably got worse overall as a team in terms of some of the quality players that they did have last year. But there's still interesting parts that the Bears are going to have to overcome. We always say like the Lions are where kind of you want to build your football team. And if we're being honest, when you look at the Bears' offensive line and defensive line and Green Bay's offensive line and defensive line, that's my biggest worry. I think they have the advantage there, and it's going to be up to the Bears to be able to handle that. If they can, I think the Bears can win on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it comes to whether or not the Bears can stop the run, and I agree that that's going to be a huge key, you know, the Bears – you know, now have Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, and Jack Sanborn as their linebacking trio. So I understand their defensive line still has a ways to go, but, you know, to prove whatever they're going to be, and obviously you hope it's better than the pass rush they put on last year, but the linebackers, you have to be confident in. They invested mm -hmm. in that spot. Jack Sanborn showed what he's all about. He's continued to show that here in this preseason. And to me, that's going to help stymie the run game to an extent. Yeah. And the other thing, because I saw Peter Bukowski, everybody's favorite Packer podcaster, saying on Twitter, like, you know, talking about games where they had limitations with certain players and that they still won. And that's why Matt LaFleur is going to be able to still call an offense, even with wide receivers out. And then there were Packers fans in the comments going, well, yeah, they had Aaron Rodgers. And he's like, well, go back and watch those games and you, you'll understand that Rodgers wasn't the reason they won them. Even if Rodgers isn't the one throwing the touchdowns, the threat of Aaron Rodgers is going to help your run game. 
Yeah. What Rodgers <laughs> understands that the line of scrimmage under center will help your run game. Does Jordan Love can does he have the ability to make the right checks? Have an understanding of the flow of the offense, when to call the one, which you know, flip flip this the play to the left, to the right. Those are things only a veteran quarterback understands. Now you're leaning on the offensive coordinator to make those decisions as they're running to the huddle. Now, it, are the Bears so intimidated by Jordan Love that they're not going to just like, hey, they're everybody saying we're going to make Fields prove he can throw it. They're going to make Love prove he can throw it. They're going to stack the box on hit on their run game too. So you know, to me. The run game obviously is their strength, but at the same time, without Aaron Rodgers there, do we really know if is is the run game going to be as effective as it was without the threat of Aaron Rodgers? I just think it's probably the most important thing to do, and I'll I'll bring this open to everybody else and what you think the kind of main keys for this game is, because for me, it's if you are able to stop that or at least limit it early on, so where the Packers don't feel like they can run all day you then force it to where love has to make decisions and he has to do it. And he has to, as some people like to say, air it out a little bit. And I think that's what the bear should want to happen because we've seen it previously that, yeah, he can come down with some good plays, but there's been plenty of those deep throws that we've seen him make and receivers are having to go back to the football. You do that in a regular season game and it's probably going to get picked off. And that's where I'm like, if the bears, even if it's early on in that game, can limit the run. I think they put themselves in such an advantage early on. And like you said, Greg, this game could all come down to that momentum. If your team, as the home team, in the opening week against your biggest rival, gets momentum early, gets up on Green Bay, gets the crowd into it, like you said, it's not Aaron Rodgers that's been there a million times. It's a guy who's never been there. It's his first game really starting in the NFL. And <laughs> remember the what happened team- with the, remember the rain. This kind of reminds me of the Rams uh, Sunday night football game. Yeah. That game had some hype and everyone was like, are the bears good enough to beat the Rams? You know, obviously that was a cold weather game. So a little bit different circumstances that played into that. But at the same time, the powder keg that they came into that night, they were never going to win that game because mm. the, the, it, the energy was literally just it. The stadium was melting before kickoff, and that's what it's going to be like, you know, on Sunday. And you know, we all have our worries because of the disappointment of 2019. That's an offense that couldn't get a first down to save their life that season. You know, Mitch Trubisky did does not have the ability that Justin Fields has. So whether you still have hesitation to say that Fields can do this, that, and the other, he's going to move the chains. He's going to make plays at some point. So the energy is going to be different in this game because in the, in the 2019 game, the bears offense did nothing for four quarters, not one thing. And I feel very confident in saying that that's not going to happen this Sunday, which will just add to that energy. Uh, but it, it, just to your point on what you were bringing up, it just reminded me of that Rams game and the vibes walking in. And I think maybe we have a similar situation uh, coming up here in a few days. Yeah, no, listen, I, I totally, I totally agree. This, if you can limit Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, who last season had a combined nearly sorry nineteen hundred yards rushing. Um, then you know you think that you're going to be able to do well. The problem is, as as you mentioned, Greg's 
earlier on is you don't know what you're going to get from the Green Bay passing offense. Firstly, because you don't know who's going to be playing. Are these are, are the two kind of starting wide receivers going to be out? Um, so there, there is that sort of uncertainty at the moment. I think it's really important for, you know, when we are confident and we're going into this game, we're feeling a lot better than we usually do for multiple reasons. But I think it's really, really key that the, the team, especially on defense where we had so many questions last year, um, do kind of keep that sort of focus, um, especially when it comes to the defensive backs. You know, I think it's going to be huge. I think it's huge that Jaquan Brisker is a full participant in practice today. I think that's a real kind of a boost mentally for the team before he even puts his, his, his boots on sort of thing, you know. So I think that's going to be huge. Eddie Jackson, obviously, a full participant again today as well. So we really need to see these guys show out. You know, we've seen them speaking a lot on Twitter over the last uh you know a little while and saying this that and the next thing that's fine you got to go out there and you got to do it you know and, and there's been too many times where it's not not sort of happened just on that uh subject brags about the um injury uh list um, obviously nate davis is on the the list again uh this week for um you know, personal reasons we don't know why he's he's not there question i've got for you is you know whatever the reason for him not being there is you know whatever but for me personally, when I used to play sports, if you didn't turn up to practice during the week, you didn't play on Sunday. That was it. Regardless of the reason, if your granny's ill, if you've broke your leg, whatever, it doesn't matter, right? You don't show up to practice, you don't play. Do you think the Bears should implore that same sort of tactic in that Nate Davis turns up and says, I'm ready to play? They go, hold on a second. You've missed you've missed these practice sessions all, all week or whatever kind of thing. Do you, do, do you go with them or do you... You give it to the backup, especially considering we've got so many questions over the offensive line with Jenkins. Right. Well, you know, it's it's a big deal. It's a tricky situation uh, for Matt Eberflus, who, you know, prides himself on this hits philosophy. And it feels like to this point that Nate Davis isn't exactly that type of player. So where in their free agent decision-making, because you know Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are talking together. Where did they, you know, because I'm sure they do their homework. I've heard similar things of, you know, his, you know, his style in Tennessee and, and the way he approached the game. So they had to know that he wasn't exactly Jack Sanborn, you know, and, but they signed him anyway, they gave him big money. So that means you have to play him on Sunday. But, at, 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 but if, if the loafing and the missing of practice, and again, I think we're, with the personal reasons, in the off season and we don't know what it is today, but some, you do have to be a little careful, especially in my position to overstate because if you start assuming it's because of laziness and it is a legitimate reason, then, you know, you get your foot in your mouth there a bit. Uh, but at the end of the day, they paid him. So he's got to play. And then it just comes down to how he plays on the field and, you know, the attitude he shows and leader, he needs to be a leader. You get paid that kind of money and you're a veteran with some young guys around you, specifically Darnell Wright, uh, right next to you. You got to show some leadership. And, you know, it, when you're a coach or a leader or a teacher or whatever, not everyone is treated the same. You know, that's just the reality of life. Um, and you got to handle and manage people differently as much as you want to hold to this hits philosophy, but you hope at some point that Nate Davis, you know, can just be more consistent 
in, you know, just being there, you know, in that regard. But again, it's, it's hard to speculate when they continue to say personal reasons and you just don't know, you know, and then you see crazy reports on Twitter, you know, from, <laughs> from you know, uh, you know, the, the crazy accounts. What is it? Was it NFL notifications yeah. or something like that? Well, that I, mean, I, I did a little child I, in their basement. Yeah, well, and then I did the parody to that with my Taco Bell relationship. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> the funny thing is, is like Hogue and all them, uh, and, and Car- they they thought it was serious. He was like, <laughs> Hogue was like, I read like three of the three tweets into that thread, and and I thought this was something serious you had going on. Like, no, guys, come on, let's keep up. It was here. very well written, so you know you yeah. gotta give yourself some props that you got people that invested <laughs> now all you need to make sure is at the end of the story that you meet nate davis in taco bell that's the yes. way to get it all yeah. the way around yes but look with that being said and i want to kind of discount justin fields in this one because he's the obvious answer but i'm going to come to each of you who do you think are going to be the two x factors for the bears to win on sunday one offensive player one defensive player okay so no, unfortunately, you're in the screen right next to me, so I'm gonna go to you first. Um, all right. Who Who are the two players that you think, and obviously not Justin Fields, that you think could be the X factor or a reason why the Bears win this game on Sunday? Well, first off is, is DJ Moore. It's probably the obvious answer after Justin Fields. I mean, look, they've gone out and they've got what we finally hope is that number one receiver who will trouble teams and it'll work both ways. Either he'll be making great catches and making great plays as we see in with his first catch against the Titans, which was the end of the game for him because he, he got the touchdown or he'll be taking so much attention from defenders that it'll open up space for Mooney, for uh, tight ends. I'm, I'm blanking mm-hmm. on all names now <laughs> on commit and, you know, Tonyan could come in, maybe get a few catches um, chase Claypool as well. Just, DJ Moore being there will do so much to the opposition defenders to take their their kind of attention. And we have so many options now for Justin Fields, you know, to, to throw to that, you know, he will benefit us either way. On the defense, I'll probably look at that secondary. I think I think if Brisker is playing, I, I loved watching him last year. I think Brisker mm-hmm. is, I have a feeling for an interception this weekend if he gets out there and he's playing. Uh, I just think he's a great player and I love his attitude. I love the way he plays the game and I think he can cause problems for, for offenses. So for me, they're the two players I kind of look at and hope maybe could do something. Okay, Tony, I'm going to come to you next. Um, who would be your two? And if, if you can, like you can agree with Noel, but if there's any, let's go, let's try and get some other names out there that you think could be a reason why the Bears win on Sunday. Yeah, so I, I think uh, one of the guys that, that you mentioned there, no, Cole Komet, I think is going to benefit hugely uh, from actually having DJ Moore there as well, having that another sort of, um, or have, actually just having that that kind of number one receiver that we haven't had previously is going to be huge. Um, I think I think Cole Komet is still uh, blooming. You know, he's not he's not fully there just yet, and you've seen how effective he can be. And we've been through some ups and downs with Cole Komet over the last three seasons uh, in terms of production. Um, but I think, you know, one of the, the biggest biggest aspects, we talk about surrounding Justin Fields with all these kind of weapons to make him better. But having those weapons there are going to have the, the guy standing next to you on the line of scrimmage better as well, you know, like, and, and I think that's going to be a, a huge thing. So I think Cole Komet could absolutely 
capitalise on that. You know, a lot of attention going towards DJ Moore, uh, maybe forgetting about, about other guys on the offence. In terms of the defence, I have to go with Tremaine Edmonds because I've, I've, I've been banging on about Tremaine Edmonds all off-season. I think he's a fantastic addition to, to this Bears defence. The, the, the sheer height of him to begin with, playing in that middle linebacker position, the, the ground that he can cover... I mean, it's it's almost, I don't want to say it, but it's almost Brian Urlacher-esque potential there in terms of the impact he, he can have on this defense. Um, even as a quarterback, trying to overlook the likes of Tremaine Edmonds in the middle of the field when you're trying to throw the ball. I mean, it's a huge, huge um, X factor in making our, our, the, the coverage aspect of the, of the Bears' defense so much better and taken to the next level. So for me, those would be the two sort of X factors for me and I'm, I really hope that the especially Tremaine Evans works out that way um, as we all as we all hope. And Seth, I'm going to come to you next. So, who are your two guys? Uh, so I would say offensively, uh, Lucas Patrick. I feel like the way he plays is going to set the tone. You know, they've got some some really talented people on that defensive line for the Packers, and if he can hold, do more than just hold up, and and you know that's going to like drastically set the tone for everything. If he can come out there and play above average comparatively to what we've had over the past few years, that's massive, you know, uh, not only for, for fields, for the offense as a whole, um, because, you know, he does have the familiarity with the scheme and how to do the line checks and things like that. So if he comes out there and, and plays the way we were all hoping he would last year, that sets the tone for the whole line. Uh, and defensively, I would say a big X factor that seemingly always gets forgotten is Andrew Billings. If he mm-hmm. comes in and demands two people to keep him from causing, you know, some some damage in the run game, that opens up everything for you know Justin Jones, for the rookies, for Unique Ngakwe, for Walker. If he can come in there, establish himself in the run and, you know, take up basically two people every time, and you probably should with how big that dude is, you know, that can really change everything because, it, it, it like I said, it opens up everything for, for that D-line, uh, you know, it creates those one-on-one matchups. And, and if he can create some havoc in the run game, then that forces them to, you know, have to get in some third and long situations, and that'll really put the pressure on, a, you know, a young QB. You know, how does he handle that third and nine? How does he, you know, handle having to check out of the run, you know, here and there because it's not working? You know, can he make those checks? Like it's going to, it's it's that domino that kind of forgets, gets forgotten that, you know, if it falls, it knocks over a bunch of things. And if it's not there, you know, it can stop that chain of dominoes from falling altogether. Yeah, and I'm Braggs, what about yourself? Yeah, I love it, Seth. Um, looking at the trenches. I like Andrew Billings too, and he's definitely a run stuffer. Uh, I get a little worried about how he's going to be on passing down situations, uh, but he certainly can stop the run with authority. Saw that time and again at camp. Uh, so for me, you know, I I I think the guy that is getting forgotten here is Chase Claypool, and you pulled up the comment a minute ago from AM Sports Consultancy. Um, Chase Claypool is starting to get forgotten here, you know, yeah. and and. I I obviously would have preferred him to finish the preseason and, and finish training camp because I was very excited by the way he started. 
to much to the chagrin of my co-hosts and, and some of the media bears media circle, you know, kind of poking at me for my reporting, but I stand on what I say when I say that I, from what I saw from chase Claypool and Justin Fields in the first 10 practices, and I'm not trying to overstate what I think he's going to do for the whole year, but strictly going off of what I saw when they were out there was I saw a connection and obviously DJ Moore is going to do his thing. He's, he's showing that so many times at practice in preseason games, that's abundantly clear, but between Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool, it was like, oh, at first it was, oh, are they healthy? Check. You know, can they make plays? You know, we're seeing that. And when Chase Claypool, there's just all this controversy about what he's doing in the offseason, you know, how he did last year. Did Ryan Poles make this right move? And to me, he's now become forgotten because he's been out for so long, you know, and nobody's picking him up in fantasy. Nobody's, you know, talking about him as 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 somebody that can be a weapon in this game. And and I do. Because you think the Packers, the Packers know that DJ Moore is the guy they got to worry about. So who's that going to open it up for? Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, Chase Claypool. Take your pick. One of these guys is going to pop. And my my bet is that it's Chase Claypool because while you're still trying to figure out routes and chemistry and timing and release, what you can't teach is size and hands and speed combination, and that's what Chase Claypool has. Get him a quick out, one-on-one with a wide receiver on the outside, quick you know, wide receiver smokescreen, however you want to say it. And now all of a sudden it's chase versus a cornerback, you know, chase. Okay. One-on-one I'm going to go over the top and let you jump ball it with this guy. You know, those are things that you just can't teach. And to me, when they get into the red zone, which they are going to, who are they going to throw to? You know, those guys are going to more, more times than not be Ch- Cole Komet and chase Claypool. And I think chase Claypool showed enough to me in camp to be encouraged about what he can do this season. So I'm excited for him to have a good game on Sunday. And then I'm going to bust Herb Howard's balls about it uh, as soon as I possibly can. Uh, So I'm rooting for that. Uh, There's definitely some bias there um, for, for the, I told you so tour. And then on the defensive side of the ball, this is a prime Eddie Jackson game. It's a prime Eddie Jackson game. You got a young quarterback who isn't afraid to throw downfield. He doesn't know what his windows are yet. He's not afraid to, he's not gun shy. I don't, I don't think just from what I've looked, watched of him. So he's going to test some things out. And for a, uh, a safety that has the understanding to bait a quarterback. And I watched Eddie do this so many times to Mitch Trubisky at camp that I feel very comfortable saying confident in saying he's going to pull this on Jordan love a couple times where Jordan thinks there's a window there that isn't. And then all of a sudden Eddie's going to get in some passing lanes and maybe take one to the house. So those are the couple of things to me that I think are, are some uh, X factors in this game for sure. Yeah. One of the guys that I keep thinking of on this one is one of the rookies on defense and that's Tyreek Stevenson to see what the Packers are going to do. Cause they're going to want to test the rookie corner out there. And we've seen where, whether he gives away penalties at times, sometimes he gets beat. But the one thing I like about him is he forgets whatever happened in the last play. And we've seen that. And if he can look good, he can be one of those that gets in the right position just to take that ball away. But it's going to be really interesting to see how we go from there. But look, 
Greg, before we let you go and let you get on with the rest of your day, I do want your prediction. You said that you that you're confident in the Bears this Sunday. Yeah. Do you have them in your prediction of beating the Green Bay Packers in week one? Yeah, I guess I'll save my score prediction That's for fine. our, you know, uh, CHTO reveal tomorrow. Hogue already revealed his prediction on the Hogan Johns this morning. So I guess we're all just kind of letting the cat out of the bag before He'll our. He'll probably flip flop on a different way now. Head of content. <laughs> but no, I've already showed my hand enough on social media and different shows I've done and the shows we do here at CHTO where I, 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 if you if you haven't guessed by now, I have the Bears winning this game. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's just no. I just cannot see. I they just they cannot lose this game. And I'm kind of past the point of saying it in that way. This mm-hmm. whole off season, I've kind of geared towards this game, going. They absolutely cannot lose this game. But I, I'm more at a point now where I'm confident enough saying they're going to win this game, and just forget about you know, what's, you know, the other side of it and the consequences that come with it, because it's not going to happen. The bears are going to win this game and cold takes exposed is happy to clip this Packers Twitter. You can clip it all you want, write it down, take a picture. I don't give a shit, but the bears are going to win this game. You know, they have the, they have the advantage in, in, in areas that are important, but more, most importantly, it's at their house. And you no longer have Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay. So good luck to you because the the Bears with that pitiful roster they had last year, injury-laden roster with a quarterback with a hurt shoulder, had you on your toes for four quarters and really should have beat you by all rights. And now they've added like 26 new starters to this offense and a lot of talent and more experience, and it's at our house for once. For once, we're not starting in Lambeau on Sunday night football. It's at our house, and I like our odds in this game. Bears are going to win, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, come on. Go Bears. Hashtag Green Bay sucks. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, Green Bay sucks. Maybe this year it'll actually come true. Yeah. It's taken long enough. Yeah. Maybe – It'll be a true statement as we walk out and not a tongue-in-cheek thing. Absolutely. Look, Greg, we really appreciate you joining us. Enjoy Sunday. Make sure that you give any Green Bay fan hell that you see going up to that stadium like you always do. So yes, we'll, be, we'll be looking out for that video where you just boo Packer fans and stuff like that. Well, Oh, yeah. Well, absolutely. Thanks for joining us, though, today, Greg. I know you're very busy this week with it being week one, so... We do appreciate it. Of course, you know, uh, anytime I always find time for you guys, uh, keep up the great work. And uh, anytime you need me down the road, I'm happy to hop on. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Greg. Cheers, Greg. Thanks for that. Yep. Take care. You too, man. Take care. All right, guys. So we still have a little bit that I want to go through because I didn't want to keep Greg on for for too long. But what we do have is uh, it's a really important week. We've been waiting for this for a very long time, right? Like, We've been building towards week one. Now, before we start talking about some of the other things that can happen, we're going to stick this with the Bears. We've spoken about this particular game. But what I want to kind of go to go through is where we actually see this team for the season. As we kind of kick off, before we see any action, I think this is an important one to be able to go through. So, first of all, I'm going to go through this quite quickly with you guys, but in terms of records and, and stuff like that, I don't really care about, about the numbers, right? But let's just say, let's make the assumption that this is, that they do have a good season. It isn't one of those pitiful, like, 
three, four, five win seasons. So if that is to happen, who do you guys think will be I'll, I'll go through. I think I put a tweet out on this anyway, so I'll bring up some of the comments that people had. So the first one was Chicago Bears 2023 MVP. I think we could probably all say that if the Bears are going to be successful, it has to be Justin Fields, right? Yeah. So let's go to some of the other questions that are a little bit where you can bring up some different kind of options. This is one. It's their best acquisition this year that you think will add the most to this roster. And the reason why I think this is an important one is there's plenty of guys that you could mention. Like I know Tony, you've mentioned how much Tremaine Edmonds could be for his defense. We've heard about DJ Moore, but then some of the rookies and some of the other free agent signings. So overall, who do you guys think is going to be, if the Bears are going to be successful, has to be at the end of the year looked at as the best acquisition for for the Bears? And look, any of you can kind of speak up first. Well, I said I said DJ Moore earlier, and I think probably him. But outside of him, I'm actually I want to see what Ngakwe can do because we got absolutely no pressure on the quarterbacks last year. And look, his his track record has been he guarantees you what is it eight or nine sacks a season. So if he can can click into gear and get after the quarterback and put a lot of pressure on, I think that then creates a lot of space then for the DBs to not have to be, you know, they were under a lot of pressure last year because quarterbacks had so much time. If he can get after that quarterback when he's on the field and, and narrow down that time that the quarterback has, that only helps everybody behind. The linebackers, the the DBs, everyone has an easier life if that quarterback is being harassed. So for me, I think he could, if he hits the ground running, he could be a very important player to, to really help that defense take a bit of pressure off and get a few more sacks. Yeah, I'm going to go on the defense as well. I'm going to go with uh, Tyreek Stevenson because I think if we look at the the cornerback situation on 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 its own, as opposed to the DBs in general, I think there's a lot of question. There had been a lot of question marks there over over the last couple of years because yeah, Jalen Johnson has probably been the best of the lot, uh, but in terms of statistics, they've not really been there. Um, Kyler Gordon is obviously going to be our slot guy moving forward. He's shown that he has the capability to play in more than one position. Uh, and he's been successful. You know, it's, it, was, it was a rough start to the year, but he ended up being successful towards the end of the last season in that slot position. I think him being there, he's going to take that next step. But the question was always over at, at the cornerback too. You know, Kendall Vildor was fine. He ended up playing relatively well outside corner last year. Um, however, relatively well is something that we almost accept as, as good in Chicago for some reason. And we're too we're so desperate to hang on to, you know, that little that little bit of good as opposed to just going, you know what, cut that loose and, and go for something better. So for me, I think Tarek Stevenson, if he can come in um and sort of, you know, firstly be better than Kendall Wilder was in the long term. I'm not asking him to come out there first two, three weeks and, and be phenomenal. But certainly by the end of the year, if he can prove that he's going to be a better option there. And also, I think having him there, uh, the type of player he is, I'm hoping for some more takeaways from the cornerback position. We're getting them from the safeties. We're not getting them from the corners as much. Um, and I would really like to see that sort of stat line go up a little bit. Because at the end of the day, I know it's not just about getting the interceptions or whatever, do you know what I mean? But I, it's, it's, it's hugely important if you're going to be successful. We go back to that 2018 season when we... We did really well with the playoffs, and it was the defense that really got us there. It was all those interceptions, all those takeaways. And if you're not getting that from your defensive backs consistently, 
you're not going to be successful. So I think Tariq Stevenson could be potentially um, one of the one of the, the kind of big uh, additions there, and, and hopefully it works out. Yeah, and I, I I think that's the last part you said is is going to be crucial for this team as a whole. Like getting the sacks and turnovers is you know that that difference maker. It's it's how you win some of those one point games or you know one score games, uh, having those types of things. And you know, for me though, acquisition wise, I'm going to cheat a little bit and choose two. One being a rookie that they drafted, and one that they actually acquired. If this team's going to be successful, the combination of Nate Davis and Darnell Wright playing well is going to be absolutely crucial. Because those two end up being turnstile, or and like Nate Davis ends up not working out at all, like that hurts the interior. You know, as much as people talk about edge rushers and you need really good tackles, if you can just you know bull rush up the middle doesn't really matter you know how good your your tackles are if if you can't step up in the pocket at all and then you wind up running for your life as a quarterback and we Mm -hmm. want that not to happen so if Nate Davis can play to you know when he was on the field with the Titans to that level or higher uh, because I think the scheme works well for him um, and and if, if Darnell Wright can be the guy we all know he has the you know the ceiling for that instantly improves everything because it gives them more time it, it allows for better runs like it, it it's a trickle down of immense proportions just you know making sure that that right side is is solidified because if that right side is solidified then you can move a tight end over to help out you know uh braxton here and there if he needs it and that's one of the reasons they've invested in the tight end group the way they have yeah and i guess one of the interesting questions because we put a tweet out on on this I can't remember what day it was. It was probably, I think it was about a, a week ago. Well, not exactly a week ago. It was, I think it was on Sunday. And one of the questions where I saw the most amount of variance in terms of kind of who we thought was on some of these. So, like, the records, most of them were the same. There was a couple of people that would say, like, 10 or 11 wins, other people saying 7 or 8. But those are kind of the main options that, three other questions that we asked is who we thought every would be the MVP. And I think like 90% of it said Justin Fields. But these next two ones were the most interesting ones because there was quite a lot of variance in these. And that was rookie of the year and most improved player. Now, rookie of the year was interesting because there was a lot of people that had completely different players. And you would have thought that most years kind of the guy that most people would say would be the first round pick, right? But a lot of them, when you look at rookie of the years, you kind of look at skill position players and stuff. So that's an interesting one that I'll, that'll get you guys to kind of talk about. But then most improved player was also another one. I think the two most common answers in that were Connor Gordon and Chase Claypool. So look, with that being said, and we'll go through this kind of quick. So I do want to talk a little bit about the game that's going on tonight. Some of our, kind of favorites this year in in the NFL that not just the Bears um but who we expect to have good seasons so we will go through that so no first of all with you if you if you were to think of who would be the best rookie or the rookie of the year for the Bears and the most improved player who are those two players that kind of stick out in your mind I'm actually sticking my cornerback for both of them I think Stevenson could end up being rookie of the year a lot mm-hmm. of what Tony said you know 
he's just he's a really good player i think he's going to be involved a lot he's obviously going to be a starter so he's going to get the game time um and i know you were talking about you know our first round pick Daniel right maybe not getting as many mentions i think players like stevenson will stand out more when they do good things people maybe don't see offensive line play as as clear as they see obviously skill position and, yeah. and cornerbacks and stuff like that and i just i love stevenson as well from what i've seen so far i hope it translates to the nfl but I mean, geez, he can tackle. Like watching him in preseason, he he loves to hit, and he's a big guy. And I think he will be involved. And I think he probably could end up. He will probably get most game time for most of the rookies out there, along with Arnell Ray. And I think he may just stand out more. And he he has the skills, and he has the the physique to do it. Now it's just to see if he can put it together on the field. And then I, I was one of the ones with Carla Gordon. And that's not to say he was bad last year, but it was a rookie year. He got picked on a lot of times. He had a mm-hmm. lot in his play. He was nickel. He was in the outside. He was trying to kind of learn both of these positions while being a rookie, while being picked on by quarterbacks who want to check him, check him out and see what he can do. This year, he's a nickel. He has one thing to focus on. He has that year's experience. He's had a good training camp. He seems confident. You know, he's he, he has them physical attributes as well. And I think not having as much on his plate as he did last year, is going to benefit him a lot, along with the fact that it will be a better defense around him. You know, as I said earlier, maybe if Ngakwe is getting pressure on the quarterback or the new lads up front are getting pressure on the quarterback, it is going to make that life a little bit easier then for the DBs behind them. And I think Gordon will have a good year this year. I think he's primed for a good season. And Tony, what about yourself? What's uh, What will be your two guys? So rookie of the year and most improved player. <clears throat> so my rookie of the year, again, we're speculating in the minute, but I think Gervon mm-hmm. Dexter is going to be um, a guy that we see um, emerge as the sort of future of the interior of the defensive line. Um, I think it'll be a slower start to the year. There'll be less um, sort of snaps for him, but he will he will kind of get in and about it and, and hopefully take advantage of the, the, the snaps that he, he does get early on. Um, I think long term, you know, you're you're probably going to be looking at Andrew Billings and Justin Jones and saying, well, you're you're not going to be here next year or the year after. So, um, you know, guys like him and Zach Pickens have got a real opportunity. Um, and I I I think that Dexter possesses all of the tools to be successful in that position, and it's just about disciplining it uh, and coaching it right. And I think you know he's now at that next level where he has those sorts of coaches in place um, to, to be able to direct it. And I think hopefully he takes that on board and and, and becomes what he, he can be um, in the in the D line. Uh, in terms of most improved player, I'm probably I'm going to go with Braxton Jones, and, and that's not to say that he didn't play well last year. I just think he's going to make that jump this year um, and and look like the starting left tackle that, that a lot of people hope he can be. Um, you know, thrown in there in his first season as a starting left tackle, coming from a smaller school um, and, and playing the way that he did. Now, it's, obviously, it wasn't perfect. There were mistakes made. Um, there were things to be learned from. But, you know, we've heard that he's been working hard in the offseason. He's put on a lot of muscle. That was the one thing that we talked about is improving that strength because he has the, the raw talent there. Uh, his movement's good, um, and clearly he's a, he's a, he's, he comes across as a clever guy as well. And that's why, as an offensive lineman, you've got to be smart. Uh, that that's one of the, the biggest attributes you can have. Um, so for me, I would love to see him 
take that next step, solidify himself as a starting left tackle, and you know, say, you know, this is a position that the Bears don't need to worry about for the next 10, 12, whatever years. Um, so yeah, those are my two guys. Yeah, and Seth. Well, that was going to be the rookie uh, I was going to roll with. I'm very high on him, so I agree wholeheartedly with what you said. But for for sake of, of um, keeping things rolling, I, I think the the guy who will end up being rookie of the year, and rightfully so, given his draft position, is, is going to be Darnell Wright. He's a guy who we you know we haven't seen somebody with his size, strength, and athleticism. Even if you include people like Kyle Long, you know, other guys who have come in and, and played at a, at a high level, and you know if he can come in and hold it down like he did in college against you know some of the best edge rushers, you know the the top edge rusher in this draft class, and if he can hold it down like that, like there's no reason his performance doesn't, you know, basically set the tone for, for all of it, you know, with, with Roshan Johnson, like if Roshan Johnson has a great year, probably Darnell Wright had a good year. Like he, it directly impacts most everybody on offense in ways that, you know, if he really, really sucks, it affects the offense really, really negatively. Whereas if some of the other rookies have bad games here and there, you know, they're outside of, Stevenson, like there are ways to work around things. You know, if a defensive tackle is having an off game, you can shift things around or or make things work. It's hard to pivot from your starting right tackle, uh, you know, in a game at any given time. Uh, and then most improved player, I'm going to jump on the Braggs train with Claypool. I think he's got so much to prove that it's either going to end in a great season or some Antonio Brown level meltdown <laughs> kind of chaotic mess. Um, that's kind of how it feels like it's got to go one of two ways at this point. I don't see him just coming out and going for, you know, 34 catches average 13 and, and like four touchdowns. Like I, it's either going to be, he goes three games without a catch and loses his mind or, you know, contributes every single week and becomes that number two, you know, that we know he has the potential to be with shades of upside of one. Um, and that's great news for the Bears if he does that. Um, but he has a lot to prove from the, you know, getting on the field, learning the playbook issues and, and things that he had last year and, and, uh, you know, he's got all of the physical talent, you know, of probably the most physically gifted skill position person on the team. If you look at, you know, everything included. Um, so, you know, he's got the most to prove, but he's also got the skill set to do it. So that's, that would be my, you know, most improved player. That's an interesting one actually as well. Sorry, Kieran, I know you're going to come in with another question there, but just in terms of the wide receiver spot, I, I, I think Chase Claypool, I think you're right, Seth, I think he's going to take, a jump sort of thing. Question I've got for you guys is if you had to guess right now, if the Bears were going to sign one of Darnell Mooney or, or Chase Claypool at some point during the season, how would you project that? You know, like because for me, I, I, Darnell Mooney's has been has been very good for the Bears. There's no doubt about it. But there are a lot of question marks over him as well. I don't know. I, for some, does yeah. have a just Chase I guess... Claypool feel like I don't know that something really positive about him just now, do you know what I mean? I guess to add to that, right, let's say if we were making that decision and let's say Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool had similar numbers this year. Right? Let's say they get, I don't know, seven, 800 yards each, right? And you have DJ Moore, who's the guy that's over a 1,000 yards. But 
Darnell Mooney, Claypool, essentially the same. Like that's where I think if it's that maybe you go Claypool because it's a harder st- style of receiver to find. Yeah. I think you can find your slot receiver, you can or that third option. Like they may believe in Tyler Scott to do it, or they're just easier to find when it comes into a lot of these drafts. It's quite difficult to find a guy that is physically that impressive. The only thing about Claypool is he needs to put it together on the field. But if he does that, that's where the question mark does come in. I think most Bears fans will say Mooney, right? Because there's that's where your head goes straight away because he's been with the team. He was drafted by the team. But we also have to remember he wasn't drafted by this general manager. He wasn't brought in by this head coach. Chase Claypool was traded for by this general manager and this head coach. And that's where it's interesting for me if, if they both have similar seasons. Let's say they both get through the season completely healthy. I think they might lean towards Claypool just because I think they probably think that's a harder type of receiver to find. Yeah, I, I agree with Kieran. If, if both players have a similar season and both are successful and they can only do one, Kieran spot on. Claypool is just that big, strong, fast receiver. Whereas, as, as Kieran says, look, you might get another player to, to do what Mooney does with speed, whatever. But Claypool is that physical specimen that you want. The kind of player they've been going out and getting, and, you know, strong, kind of like why they picked Dominic Robinson. You know, he's, he's a, mold, a lump of clay to be molded, but he's physical and he's big and he's strong. And that's what these guys look for. Plus then, as Kieran says, they brought him in for, for what turned out to be a, a very high pick. And, you know, he's kind of their guy. Whereas Mooney is kind of a holdover, which still isn't, a, you know, he'll get his like, fair shot. But if like, I think they like both the of them, like I do think they like both of them, right? Like, oh, you, I think you, they do, you, yeah. I just think the reason why I deviate towards kind of Claypool is because I think this is one of the players that Ryan Poles kind of wants to back his decision making on in terms of going after him, and everybody criticizes him. So I think. If Claypool comes out this year and balls out, Ryan Balls can be like, see, told yourself. Yeah, I don't think I there's many other players the phys- who can say that. He's the physical kind of body that they want. That's the kind of player they like, they want to bring in for the hits philosophy. And I think if they have a similar season, you're, you're spot on, Kieran. I think, at a guess here, I think Claypool would be the way to go. There's so many kind of arrows pointing in his direction for, you know, as you say, they picked or they draft or traded for him. You know, he has these physical attributes, and I just think that would put him over the edge. But look, let's hope they have that decision to make in a few months. That would be nice. Yeah. Let's not forget as well, though, like Darnell Mooney is not uh, Ryan Poole's pick, whereas yeah. whereas Chase Claypool, he gave away a second rounder to mm-hmm. bring him in. Do you know what I mean? So he clearly likes him. He clearly likes that profile of wide receiver. And it's hoping that he's, you know, because this 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 build, this rebuild has been long term. It's not as if he was sitting there going, Oh yeah, I'll bring Chase Claypool in from a second round pick last year, and then that'll be a set. He knew he was he was contributing to a long term of I'm going to still get another number one in sort of thing. Whereas Darnell Mooney is not his guy, you know. I don't doubt for a second that he likes him and he's got every reason to like him for obvious reasons. But I think I just think it's interesting, and especially because the way that everyone's talking about Claypool mm-hmm. in practice this year and how he's looking and coming back and all this kind of stuff. So I think it's fascinating to see how that thing develops over the next few weeks. 
special in terms of the snap count for each of them. I just want to throw something out real quick. I'm mm-hmm. not completely out on the, like how much of a salary do you think Mooney commands on the open market? I'm not against the fact, or like if they both play well, of of polls just being like, all right, Darnell, we, we know you can do X, Y, and Z in this offense. We're willing to give you fair market value because we know you're not going to go out there and get, you know, because of your injury and some of the other things. You're, he's If he's only putting up 700 yards, he's not going to get 12 to 18 million. And I, really, I think they're. Do you really think that though? Because like we see receivers that are like definitely not number ones get a lot of money like we just saw christian kirk get get all that money right and then yeah look he has a good season with jacksonville but then they go and try for calvin ridley now who was actually their number one receiver so like i think it's 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 a dangerous game if we start talking at the open market because i think if claypool or moody hit it they're gonna make big money now i think if the bears are if let's say they both do have good seasons if they want to bring them both back you're gonna have to front load those deals a lot because you're not gonna have the money once you have to start paying guys like Justin Fields. So that's where that's where it gets a little bit tricky. And it it is an interesting conversation to kind of look at that if these two guys are successful. But it goes to the point that if they are successful and the let's say the offense works perfectly like how we all wanted it to. Do you really want to take a step back after a year of it working? Like that's where some of this kind of conversation comes in. I only say Claypool just because I think that's a harder position to find. Like, if you're saying which guy do do I th- if I have to guess most Bears fans would want, they probably want Darnell Mooney because there is that kind of relationship with him. There's a lot of people that I don't know why they criticize Claypool for absolutely everything, but I think it's going to be an interesting one to see how they go this year because. We talk about these guys as like the second or third op- or third options on the team, which is such a relief because in previous years, each of these first three or four guys on our team would be the number one option. So I think that's where we actually have something to look forward to. And that's why I think you look at what Greg was saying earlier, it's have a bit of confidence in, in this team. Like I put a tweet out maybe two days ago and I'd be like, I just don't understand the fear that people have gone into this game. I'm like, if we, if the Bears lose, like we we know how to deal with losing to the Packers because it has happened before. But at the same time, like you shouldn't be afraid for week one of the season. Like it's exciting. And that's how I find it. I'm like, I do feel confident in this team. I can see where some of the kind of bad points are, but like, I still think, and I do agree with Greg, as an overall team, I think the Bears do have the superior team right now. And it's going to be interesting to see, number one, do they believe it? Will they come out with the swagger that the team, like these guys know if you're better than the guy opposite you. It'll be interesting to see the difference from when they all come out at the beginning versus what guys are like as it's leading into halftime. Because that's when guys kind of feel out and they know what's happening in this game. So I think that's what's going to make it really interesting. But look, I do want to talk a little bit about the rest of the the rest of the league very quickly before we wrap up because we are at week one. It is Thursday. It is the first game of the NFL season. It is against a team that 
me absolutely hating the Detroit Lions because they all think that they're going to win the Super Bowl. Um, so with that in mind, the last kind of topic of conversation today is the contenders versus pretenders in each of the conferences. So every single year we have teams that get propped up early on before the season begins. Some of them end up making the playoffs and going on big runs because they are genuinely good teams. And then others, it's the hype. that, And then teams start believing the hype and then they don't end up doing anything. So we'll start with the NFC because we kind of know kind of the majority of these teams. We see them almost every single year as well um, against the Bears. But I'll go around, like you can mention maybe even one team in particular that you think is a genuine contender in the NFC and maybe one that you look at as a pretender that everybody believes in, but ultimately it's probably not going to work that way. And look, Seth, I'm going to come to you first because I seem to always be coming to you last on these. Um, and just so you get to pick your pretender who I kind of have a feeling who you're going to pick. Um, but go ahead. What would be your contender in the NFC and your pretender in the NFC? Well, I obviously the, the easiest choice for a pretender for me is going to be the Detroit Lions. Uh, anybody who, if your fan base is now all of a sudden saying that Patrick Mahomes is, you know, nothing without Kelsey and that Jared Goff is better, you deserve to go 0-17 and be the first team to do that one as well. Um, they probably won't soon, but hopefully that'll happen because – they went 0 and 16. We're the only team to do it. So now they gotta, you know, right the ship and really hold on to their true traditions, which is sucking. Um, and then for actual contenders, tell us what you really feel said. <laughs> um, for actual contenders, I really like what the 49ers have done. I like what Brock Purdy can do within the confines of this offense. I think the line they have is really still underrated they let people go year in and year out and just plug in a new guy and he plays at a pro bowl level you know i I feel like so much gets put on matt lafleur for being this great head coach and in terms of you know nfc coaches shannon is probably one of if not the best in the nfc in terms of coaching like he went through three or four starting quarterbacks last year numerous injuries all over the board and they still were competitive. And if they can stay healthy with that defense, with that offense, with the scheming they do, with the adjustments they make in-game, which you know some teams are great at, some teams are not, they tend to be pretty darn good at every every aspect of it. I think they're the the big contender in, in the NFC. Um, and with you know, people moving in and out with Brady gone with, you know, the Derek Carr situation with the saints and some of the other things like, I don't know if Seattle can get over that hump. I think Gino is a good enough quarterback to, to get you to the playoffs. He's definitely, you know, better than Jared Goff. So that already puts him in a better position than some other teams. But yeah, I would say the 49ers have a real good chance of, of, going you know to the super bowl this year yeah i agree tell me what about you what's your contender and pretender for the nfc this year 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with my contender as the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I I don't think Geno Smith has just been a flash in the pan. I think he's going to I think he's going to continue to be um, a productive quarterback. Um, I, I like some of the additions they've made to the team. Obviously, the the guy Kieran, I know you were a big fan of Jackson Smith and Jigba um, for for mo- for pretty much all of the off season and before that. Um, and I think having a guy like that on your team is going to, you know, hopefully take 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 you to the next level. So I think they're one of those teams where maybe some people think that I don't know, Geno Smith can't continue to play the same as he has been. But for me, I think they're going to they're going to be there or thereabouts. Um, you can always sort of the, the Seahawks are always sort of there or thereabouts. Um, and and I don't know, there's just something there's a bit of momentum for them at the moment that I think. Um, is is huge, and in terms of the pretenders, I mean, it's hard to look outside their own division, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, people talk about the Vikings being this sort of team that can do this, that, and the next thing, and if the Packers aren't going to win the NFC North, and it's going to be the Vikings. But for me, I don't really, I don't get it personally. I, I, I all feel that they're sort of a middle of the road team. I don't have any confidence in their quarterback, really. Um, for a, <laughs> we've been talking about that for a long time, and it's just sort of—they just seem to be like a team that have maybe been made to look better by the fact that you know, like the Bears and the Lions have been so bad <laughs> in the NFC North for so long, um, and then the Packers have sort of been up and down recently. That the people maybe have an idea about them being better than they actually are. So. For me, I think they're they're a bit of a pretender team. Um, I don't want to take the lines away from someone else if they're going to suggest it, but you know, it, you could pick either of them really, um, and and that that kind of leads me to my next point that the NFC North is there for the taking this year. There's, we haven't had as big an opportunity as we have until this year. I mean, so not for a long time. So, but yeah, I'll go with the Vikings as a pretender. And Noel, what about yourself? Well, for pretenders, I think the lads have kind of taken the two that would have been my top two just because of the way people are talking about them and, you know, how the Lions fans seem to be fairly getting a bit boisterous there. And look, the Lions mm-hmm. will be the Lions. We all know that. Um, so someone, I'm going to kind of go against Tony a little bit. I think to see, I think Geno Smith is going to take a step back. I, I don't know if he is who he was last season. Um, I think the Seahawks still are a good team. They've good players in there. But I just think, Gino isn't going to be the player he he kind of was last year. That was an amazing comeback for him. And, you know, he got his money in his contract, I think, so it was fair play. But I, I, I think he's probably going to be a kind of a crutch for them this year. He's not going to be the, that kind of player. So I think that might knock them back a little bit. But uh, in terms of contenders, I can't, I can't see past the Eagles in the NFC. Again, look, you start a quarterback. Jalen Hurts has really, really developed over the last few years into a top, top quarterback. He has some good options in terms of AJ Brown, and you know he has Smith there as well. They have a really good offensive line, which they they seem to have had for years. And then on the other side of the ball, they have players like Hassan Reddick, and you know even I hate to say it because it's probably going to cause a bit of controversy for the Bears when it happens. I think Jalen Carter in that defense with time behind good players is probably going to have a really good season if he keeps his head straight. So I think overall the Eagles will probably be up there they'd be up there with, i know Seth said the 49ers and i'd probably go with them as well so i think the eagles and the 49ers are probably head and shoulders above 
everything else in the NFC North for the moment. Yeah, they've got that entire Georgia defense back there. It's pretty yeah. pretty solid. The, and the, one thing, the one thing I want sorry, Seth, for no, you the one thing I want to say to Bears fans is if he does have a good season, don't melt down. You know, he probably wouldn't have done it in Chicago. It's because of the whole setup in the Eagles that they're able to bring him in and take that chance and let him stay behind some really, really good players who can, you know, help develop him and get his head straight. It might not have been the same in Chicago. So people don't need to lose their shit if it doesn't, you know, if he has a good season. It's all part of the game. Don't worry about it. We've got of course a they will. We like to lose our shit about everything. The only lose a shit if we don't we don't win games. If we win games, no one will care. No one cares. Right. Exactly. Tony. Well, someone will care, but most shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he went into like the best possible scenario for him: comfortable college teammates and a great locker room and coaching staff around him like he couldn't have gone to a better situation the the one thing and you guys bringing it up like i almost forget how sneakily well built that seahawks roster is because even if gino takes a step back like their skill position group wildly underrated they had two really good wide receivers and then they go and add you know jackson smith and jigba Oh, and you know, to Walker the third, the who took oh, like kind of took by the league by storm for a bit. Oh, what did they do for that position group? Oh, they had Zach Charbonnet, who could probably start on six or seven teams, and an offensive line that progressively got better and is still relatively young. Oh, and they've got a young, crazily talented secondary that you almost forget about because what they had like the second or third most rookie starting like in, in their defense last year, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, two, I think two of them being cornerbacks, like they had some, some really young guys step up in a big way. And like, they, they could be that team that builds up for the long term Cause who knows how long the Eagles can sustain the amount of money they're going to have. And the same with, you know, the, the 49ers with the money they're giving out. Um, like the Seahawks might be, if Gino can, perform even slightly lower than he did last year which is wasn't world beater it was you know top 10 to 15 level like they could be a sneaky good team for the next four to five years what helps is the fact that they drafted their two tackles as well like we typically say it's the second and the third year that is when they should take that leap up and they were good really early on and that's where i think it helps them but me looking at the NFC and just when you compare it even just on paper to the AFC there's so many teams that you could list as like a pretender like when you go through the NFC East other than the Eagles like does anybody really believe in the Cowboys Giants or Commanders probably not the NFC West now I agree um about the San Francisco 49ers I think they're probably one of the favorites to get out of the NFC them and probably the Eagles, but then realistically, like we all know what the NFC South is. We say that the NFC North, anybody really can win. When you look at the NFC West, if the Rams don't improve from last year, you have the Cardinals who are trying to be terrible. So we have the two teams we mentioned in the 49ers and the Seahawks. And then, like I said, the NFC East, we don't really know what's going to happen there. And that's The NFC is just completely wide open this year. While 
the AFC is just full of teams that we expect to be good, right? Like, I'll, I'll kind of go through based on kind of each division here, and I'll let each one of you kind of say who you think is most likely to get out of the AFC. So the AFC East, like, I think three of the four teams legitimately have a playoff shot here in terms of the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, and the New York Jets with all the guys they brought in. In the AFC West, we're probably looking at the Chiefs and the Chargers. Um, I don't think the Broncos or Raiders have much of a hope there. AFC North is completely open, I think, with Ravens, Bengals, Browns, and Steelers. And then the AFC South, you're probably, again, looking at the Jags and the Titans. So with those being said, of they're kind of the main teams that will be vying for playoff positioning. In the AFC, again, who do you think is going to come out of the AFC? And then who do you think is going to be that kind of team that we think are good now, but when we talk about this at the end of the season, we're going to be like, that was one of the more disappointing teams last year. So again, Seth, I'll go to you first. This is going to throw a wrench in a lot of people's gear and probably uh, upset one of my favorite people out there, Kyle Brandt. I think the Buffalo Bills are not going to be as good as people think. I Why? well, they lost one of their best defensive players. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of turmoil between Diggs and uh, for some reason, his name's escaping me, uh, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more than just random media smoke. Like, I think there's something there. I think that defense takes a step back. I think they've got some people banged up already. And I just don't know if I believe in Josh Allen the way some people do. I think he's very up and down. I think his highs are incredibly high, but he's got some low moments where, you know, like there are times where it's, you know, what, what are you really going to get out of him? And I mean, I don't really trust that run game regardless of, and I mean, they never really have an outstanding one, Um, but I just, I don't know with the improvements all the other teams have made. Like the Jets are were a pretty decent team last year, and they go and add more and more talent. The Dolphins, if Tua can stay healthy, are a threat. They've got just one of the most explosive offenses I've ever seen. And the Patriots can never truly be counted out. You know, his first year, you know, Mac Jones, they won, what, 10 games? And they had mm-hmm. a fall off last year. And now, you know, Belichick's in the hot seat. I expect him to, you know, ground control and really focus on that. So, like, that division alone, can any of those teams could come in fourth. And mm-hmm. that instantly puts you in jeopardy of missing, you know, the playoffs if you're not in the top two of your division because, you know, as you know, one division winner from each one goes. So that's four spots right there. And if say they finish third, you know, in their division, there's a chance they don't make the playoffs and they've had some scares here and there where it would not be incredibly shocking if they just barely miss the playoffs, but it also wouldn't be shocking if, you know, they really make a run at the Super Bowl. but like with, even if they make it to the playoffs, I think Joe Burrow better quarterback and that offense can get rolling 
until I see it, I, I don't think anybody's beaten Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of what Lions fans say. And <laughs> like, so that alone, I don't see them for sure making it to the you know AFC Championship. So you know, it's it's one of those teams that their aspirations are Super Bowl or bust, and I think they're gonna be let down comparative to where the expectations are. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Cool. And Tony, I'm going to come to you next. Look, I think the obvious contender is probably the Chiefs. Do you have anybody else up there that you think can battle them realistically this year? Look, I know the Bengals have kind of been up there two years ago making the Super Bowl. Do you think the AFC runs through Kansas City or, or Cincinnati? Or is there anybody else out there that you think has a legitimate shot? Or do you think it's just going to be one of those two teams? Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to pick the Bengals anyway. It's, uh, you know, Super Bowl two years ago, uh, AFC Championship, narrowly losing mm-hmm. last season. Um, so it, it just feels like one of those teams that they have added some, they've, they've strengthened in the offseason, certainly in terms of their draft picks anyway. Uh, I like Miles Murphy. We thought Miles Murphy is, is, a, is a really good sort of option there. And um, and I think that he's going he's gonna, to, absolutely contribute so yeah i mean you, you can't see past joe burrow and that kind of um pot of of talent that they have there to be honest with you and um, mm-hmm. it's easy to see kansas city chiefs because of who they are and and patrick mahomes but um you get a bit of luck and you, and you can beat them you know they, they narrowly beat the the bengals last year i think it was like it was only three points in it by the end of the game yeah you know so it was very very close um in terms of pretenders i'm, I'm actually going to say the jets because how else can I, how can I not see the Jets? Come on, like, firstly, Karen's there, okay? Karen in that New York media fishbowl. He's never going to they love him for They love him for now. Just wait till something wait happens that goes wrong. Exactly. exactly. Wait until he goes tits up, and then he's, he's witchy woman's going to have to come out and cast a spell. <laughs> but What's her name again? Blue oh, of Earth. Blue Earth, that's it. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's that. Um... But you know, it's just the Jets, man. Like the Jets are just—I mean, they could do, they could sign Patrick Mahomes and they still manage to fuck it up somehow. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with them. People pick them up, but I really don't see it going anywhere. Just from historical events, that's it. Nothing else involved in it. I just feel like they're doomed never to be a good team, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. And and now finally, what about yourself? Do you, well, do you I hate Tony. Agree? Tony's just robbed my Jets uh, pretenders one because of Karen. But anyway, we'll go on from that's there. All right. that, that's, that's all right. Is there anybody else <laughs> that you think has been getting hyped up this year that you think they just don't look as good as, as people no. expect? Well, one team who have good players uh, is the Chargers to me. But for some reason, I just feel like the Chargers find a way to not do what they're supposed to do. I mean, I mean, you look at it, you know, you've got Herbert, Eckler, you know, who else you have there? You have Bosa. You know, they have players marked throughout the team. But for me, for some reason, it, it, when it's supposed to click, it just doesn't seem to click with them. And, I mean, that that's that's all. It's, it's not that they have bad players. It's not that they're, they're not set up well. But just something doesn't click right with me when it comes to the Chargers. So I'll say them. Outside of them, in terms of uh, contenders, I, I can't see past the Chiefs. And this is in a division or in a conference where, you know, Probably three of the four divisions 
have maybe two or three teams who you, you think will battle out for and are, are good teams who you could legitimately say will go to the playoffs. But look, until until they're dethroned, I, I just think the Chiefs are ahead above what is a really good conference, but they're just a little bit ahead above everything else. And it all starts with Mahomes. You know, it doesn't matter. It feels like it's it's kind of like Brady when he used to go through these different receivers and maybe every now and then he'd get Moss, but he really had guys who you didn't, not that you didn't know, but you didn't really rate as such. It feels like they can just trot players out. They can get rid of Tyreek Hill and they can bring in Valdi Scandlin, you know, the kind of way, and still get results with Mahomes there. So I, I think it all runs through the Chiefs for me when it comes to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think... My two, particularly for the AFC, kind of going to the same way Tony did. I think the Bengals are going to be the team that make it to the Super Bowl this year for two reasons. I think they're good enough to be able to beat the Chiefs, but also it's difficult to repeat because when you've won, you're still kind of in that mode of we're the champions, all that, and you kind of take your eye off the ball a little bit. And when you have a team that is legitimately just as good as you are, and they're coming for you because you beat them in the AFC Championship game last year. I think it's going to be a repeat the last two years and what we saw in the AFC Championship game. I think my pretenders, solely because I don't think the quarterback is going to last the entire year, is the Miami Dolphins. Everybody thinks they're going to be really, really good. And after what happened last year, I, unfortunately, I just can't see Tua staying healthy for the entire year. And they don't really have much that gives you confidence if he goes down yeah. and like you would expect with the like receiving options they have but again it doesn't matter they have a quarterback that got has a history now of getting concussions and that's always a dangerous game because it takes one play and then that can be your entire season gone while i don't see the same scenario for some of those other teams now look i'd still be a little bit worried about joe burrow because he has been hit a couple different times gotten different injuries but if he's healthy i think that they're going to be the main kind of team moving forward and i think if i had to choose for a team to kind of win the super bowl i kind of think this might be cincinnati's year where they came really really close two years ago then obviously just barely missed out with the chiefs last year but i think this might be the year to kind of get over that hump and and win it for for the cincinnati Bengals. i think that's the afc is an interesting one because i feel like we've a lot of teams where we can say the quality is there, but there's just some disappointments. And it's the opposite in the NFC when you're like, there's a lot of mediocre teams in, in this conference that if a team gets a, a hot start or finishes the season really well, you can make it to the playoffs and get relatively far. And that's where I think some of the confidence does come in. And look, it's I'm just glad that we get to kind of sit down here, talk about, an actual season that's about to unfold. We have a game this evening. We will be back live before the Bears game, I believe, um, on Sunday. We'll either do it before the entire NFL slate or we'll do it before the Bears game and kind of halfway through the other games. But we will let you guys know if you follow us over on Twitter because that's where we put out most of the updates in relation to the show. It's been great to kind of be back to talk to everybody here. Um, it was we're really thankful that Greg was able to join us for the first part of the show today as we talk about Bears Packers. But it's good to finally have football back where we get to talk about real games. The fact that we have an actual NFL game tonight and not some stupid preseason game or not 
training camp practices now it comes to what you do on sundays or thursdays or mondays it's it's what are you able to do on the field that matters and this is what we've been saying for so long like this is what we've been waiting for wait for the games to begin and judge players based on the actual performances in games rather than practice but it's been it's been great kind of coming back here being able to talk about this and we will be busy for the next whatever it is 17 18 19 weeks of nfl football and i couldn't be happier because we actually get to enjoy it sit down and actually watch the games exactly man. No, are we going to do our, I'm, I'm opening against Green Bay as well. It's made it extra uh, special. Sorry, Tony. Go ahead. I was going to say, are we, are we doing our bowl predictions and our, our game predictions before the game then? Yeah, we'll do it before right. the game. That's fine. That's fine. Gives us a little bit more, gives it a little bit more time so we don't have to do it a couple of days before. I haven't finalized it yet. So that's, that's, that works for me. <laughs> yeah, we will, we will do it on the day of the game. So, guys, make sure that you do join us. We'll just be hanging out on on the day of the game, do a little pre-game. So if you guys want to do the same thing, if you're unlucky enough not to be able to go to Soldier Field, not to be able to go to the game, just come hang out. That's what we'll be doing. We'll be just kind of shooting the shit for whatever it is, 40 minutes before before the Bears game and just having a bit of fun. But look, we appreciate all you guys have joined us into in the comments. We'll be back on Sunday. And until then, all we can say is bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.